The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Time Masters, a PoppyChuloRadio.com original series, Poppy Chulo Radio, Pop Culture on Demand. Today is Thursday, January 13th, 2022, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we'll be having an in-depth discussion on the CW's DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Please welcome my co-hosts, Millie Wood. Hello, listeners. And Professor X. Ken, say hello to listeners. 20 end. <laughs> Let's jump into our discussion of Season 7, Episode 8, which was titled Paranoid Android and aired January 12th, 2022. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. Seeing things differently, Sarah starts to realize her team is making questionable choices when it comes to the timeline. Trying to figure out who is behind everything, Sarah discovers some harsh truths. Dun-dun-dun. All right, my people. Can I just say, you know, I read this press release, it feels like a month ago. It feels like a a thousand years ago. It's been a moment since I read this press release. And I was a little confused. And I saw the promo. And I was a little confused. And then I saw the episode. And I was like, oh my god, this was brilliant. Because this was basically much like the season two episode when we got everything from the Legion of Doom's point of view. We got to see everything from the evil Wave Riders POV. We're seeing the evil legends, who they don't know they're evil, they don't even know they're androids, um, trying to thwart our legends. It was spectacular. We always say we love seeing our actors playing different iterations of themselves. And seeing our legends, our people, play evil android versions of themselves was spectacular. This is such a difficult episode to break down because, 
you know, there is a narrative thread. It is Sarah sort of realizing something's off. But outside of that, I mean, it really is just these android legends getting into time travel shenanigans. So the first thing that I'm going to ask is, uh, what did we think of our cast tackling androids that don't know they're androids? Millie Wood, I'll start off with you. I loved it. I didn't realize we were going to get this point of view, and now that we did, I'm like, this is great. Because um, I was like, why, why are they so surprised? I'm like, oh, there's clearly a you know, hands behind the scene manipulate everything. And it's so fun to kind of see the, the flip side of what we have spent the first, you know, seven episodes watching. Um, and it's a really clever way to kind of explore this side of it without feeling too stale. Okay. All right. Professor, what about you? What'd you think of our cast being the evil legends? What'd you think of their interpretation of uh, them playing with a different costume this time around? Oh, absolutely loved it. I mean, from the moment uh, we knew that, you know, we had, you know, alternate versions uh, of uh, of our cast. You know, this is what I was waiting for. I love the fact that they totally committed to it. They even gave it a different opening uh, for the show with, you know, everyone's name in quotes. Um, and, and I really loved the portrayals they had. Like everyone was just playing. You know, they weren't as nuanced as our regular characters, but they shouldn't have been because they were androids playing a version of it. Uh, and I thought they were they were all great. Uh, you know, uh, Nate was fabulous. Uh, Astra was great. Spooner and Bayrod having their little competition. Um, so they were all sort of hitting one note. But that sort of makes sense when you think that these are androids playing versions of the characters we come to know and love. So it really, really worked for me. Yes, 100 percent. Oh, gosh, Nate committed. Nate was everything. Uh, I loved uh, Astra's hair. Um, Millie, would you co-sign Astra's hair? 100%. She, like, the hair, I was like, why? When we first saw it, I was like, what was this? And then I'm like, oh, because she's part of the, like, quote-unquote nerd tech help. It fit her vibe very well. All right. And, uh, the whole thing with Bayrod and Spooner, the professor always says, look in the background. And there was one moment when Spooner's gun was bigger than Bayrod's, and then Bayrod, like, lifted his gun higher, and then Spooner lifted hers, and then Bayrod lifted his, and then Spooner lifted hers. I don't know if anybody else caught that shit, but that, I, it, I died, because that was so hilarious. It was so dumb, yet so hilarious. Spectacular. The cast committed in, in the best way possible. Uh, gosh, they just really committed to the bits, and that made this episode so much more beautiful. The dynamics were different. Um, in, in a very uh, interesting way. I mean, I'm glad they didn't just make these legends sort of our legends, but androids. Like, they, the, 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 um, what do you call it? The, um, the remixed relationships, the remixed dynamics between the, the teams, the, the interesting pair-ups, uh, it was fascinating to watch. Uh, I mean, the fact that with the evil legends, Sarah and Ava are not a couple. 
you know, she's just the captain, and the, and Ava is, you know, sort of like the doctor on board that is, uh, in reality, giving these androids tune-ups and upgrades and that sort of thing, and, and, and testing to see if they're becoming sort of sentient beings and that sort of stuff. Uh, Professor, your thoughts on Dr. Ava? You know, uh, it, it was really interesting because, you know, you look at, uh, at Nate, who is like chewing the scenery and really, really drawing attention to himself as an alt version of himself. And Astra, you know, with that sort of, you know, uh, psychopathic focus and uh, really drawing attention to herself. But quietly, Jess McCallan playing that very subtle version of Ava constantly in the background, you know, constantly playing a single note really, you know, was was surprisingly good as well. Uh, I like that, uh, that, you know, setting her up as that and Dr. That no one trusts. It really pays off well later in the episode because Sarah and uh, and Zari start to think, oh, it's it's got to be you know um, you know the uh, the doctor that's manipulating us. She's got to be the bad guy, and they don't realize it's Gideon all along. So I think that that ended up having a really great payoff uh, in terms of you know no one thinks to suspect the ship is the real mastermind of this whole process. Exactly. Exactly. Good grief, uh, Gideon is on something and it's it's brilliant i will say the legends um well uh, legends and i'm using that with, with air quotes much like in the opening credits which i co-signed professor brilliant spectacular amazing uh the legends are after our people we get to see uh these evil legends um Everything, you know, from from their POV, that hap- everything that happened at the end of the previous episode, from their POV, so we get to see them hunting our legends. They are hell-bent on the idea that the real legends are androids, and that they, themselves, are the actual legends trying to save, you know, the timeline and all that kind of stuff. They are given missions... And we see them sort of trying to course correct everything that the legends have done. And in particular, the main focus of the episode is uh, the Chernobyl incident. And because of what they're doing and the fact that, you know, they have been um, programmed to believe that they are the saviors of the timeline, Sarah starts asking questions. And she's very confused about why, you know, they are making the decisions that they're making. Millie, what do you think of how Sarah was throughout the episode, particularly in the beginning as she starts questioning what they're doing versus you know, the the legends that they think are the androids. Like, what would you think of her starting to question things? And uh, did you like that it was Sarah uh, versus any of the other characters being the one that was really starting to uh, rage against the machine? I think I enjoy, because it makes the most sense that Sarah is the one, she's the leader, um, even with these, like, robo-legends, she knows her team, so, like, when they're off or something seems weird, um, 
she's able to know she's also perceptive because Ava was being a little sus. So I, it's fitting, and I, I like that, but at the same time, it is a little sad because I think a lot of the other legends got kind of pushed to the back, um, and we didn't get to see much of those, like, robo-versions of them. Maybe we'll see them in the next few episodes, but I do think that was the one downside, but it makes more sense, like, this was very a Sarah episode. She's taking lead as she does and, and investigating and recruiting the help she needs to kind of figure out what's up. She really was investigating, uh, yeah, and she ends up bringing Zari into the mix. The Zari android is based on Zari 2.0. Um, Professor, what do you think of Sarah and Zari working together, trying to figure out what's going on? Because Sarah feels like something is really off, and she keeps on finding strange things. You know, she keeps on finding these uh, these large, um, I'll call them microchips, but they're it was like a macrochip uh, because it was huge. But she keeps on finding she found those chips with their names on it, and then at one point she gets hurt, and uh, she she fakes being under, and she sees everything, and she sees that uh, that Ava, Doctor Ava was um, working on um, some mechanical parts versus uh, human parts. Uh, so, yeah, what do you think of Sarah's realizations as well as her and Zari teaming up uh, to try to figure things out? I don't think there's another character uh, who it could have been the one who made the realization. I think it sort of had to be Sarah. Uh, I liked how they did it. Uh, I thought the, uh, the operation scene was, uh, you know, s- sufficiently grisly. And, and like, I was totally surprised when that, you know, big chunk of metal came out of her shoulder and it's like, Oh, of course. Yeah. She's a robot. I'd kind of forgotten that. Um, uh, I thought it was very well done. Gave it that slight uh, touch of the uh, the body horror to it, uh, which was really good. And and it kind of made sense. There there really was no one else she could have turned to aside from Zari. You know, Zari being the hacker, Zari being the the computer person. It kind of made sense uh, that she would go to her. And I, I don't think there's anyone else in the team. You know, based on you know the versions of the legends that we saw. Uh, in this episode that she could have gone to. So it made sense. They worked together really well. And then the twist at the end, um, you know, I guess kind of made sense as well, because when you think about, you know, uh, you know, in, in terms of, you know, sorry, being corrupted back to Gideon's point of view, offering her knowledge would be the way to get through to, uh, to Zari. So I think it, it, it all hung together pretty well uh, in the end. Yeah, the twist at the end was disappointing, but, I mean, it made sense. I I feel like it's way too early in the season for the androids to, you know, decide, you know what, we've been doing it all wrong. You know, let's not kill the Legends. Let's, you know, be friends with the Legends. You know, that wasn't going to happen by the end of this episode. Although seeing one of them go rogue and actually leave, you know, this, this group... Uh, would have been interesting. I, I wonder if maybe that's something that we'll see at a later point. Um, I guess we'll have to stay tuned. Uh, Millie, the professor went into Zari's uh, turn. Uh, what did you think of uh, the interesting um, proposition that uh, 
Gideon made to Zari. And were were you, much like the professor, not surprised that uh, she took the bait? Because we were seeing that uh, Zari had created some sort of programming to basically take Gideon offline because both Sarah and Zari had figured out that, no, it is not Dr. Ava that's behind it all. It's Gideon, the one that has been... Um, been hiding the truth from them, hiding the truth about the reality of the other legends, hiding the truth about who they are as uh, androids and that sort of thing. Uh, what do you think of Zari's turn? Yeah, I wasn't the most surprised just because um, we know that uh, Gideon slash Ava already had replaced the macro chip of Zari, so in some ways she kind of is I guess pledged herself to Gideon's mission, quote unquote. Um, so it makes sense that uh, she would kind of follow what Gideon asks her to do, um, even though she is investigating like with Sarah, like what's going on at the same time. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel you on that, and I and I do agree with you on that. I think the professor sort of hit it out the park with the the concept of Zari wanting more knowledge and wanting to be a better hacker and all that kind of stuff. She already had experienced the upgrades, and uh, she liked them. I mean, you know, as as she said, you know, she feels like a, like a new person because, uh, well, she is a brand-new machine. <laughs> Let's be real. Yes. Let's talk about the two incidents that really made Sarah question her reality. And the first one was when they had to get a general that was sort of fleeing Chernobyl, you know, someone that had died, you know, when when um, the event happened. Uh, originally, you know, they had to go get him so that, that he could die. They're provided with new weapons that uh, they just think is sort of going to reset things, but in reality um, killed the uh, the um the the guards that were with this uh military person when they take him back uh you know they they find they start questioning basically the mission and sarah in particular is like well why does this have to happen you know if he's a nobody then I don't understand. And then at a certain point, they're given the directive from, um, from Ava that, you know, they, they need him to film some sort of uh, propaganda to get everyone to come back because people are fleeing the city. And uh, she's like, threaten his children. And once again, Sarah's like, but they're nobody. And, and, and this, that, or the other. So there she starts to question. And then later on, when they have a scientist that had escaped... And um, it seems as if she's going to do something nefarious uh, when Sarah finds out the truth that she wasn't doing anything nefarious, that she was going to sell um, some intel that she has to save lives. Sarah decides to save her life. Uh, and we get a really interesting sequence where the legends are watching Sarah's every move, Dr. Sharp is uh, watching and, and controlling, not controlling, but um, observing all of Sarah's movements and um, 
you know, I, I mean, I don't think she has a heartbeat, but you know what I'm saying? She's observing all of that to see if Ava, not Ava, to see if Sarah is um, doing the proper thing. Professor, talk to me about both of those different incidents, because it, they're sort of adding to Sarah's realization that they are on the wrong side. But what do you think of how they were expressed in the episode visually through the cast, as well as... Um, Katie Lotz and, and how she was playing Sarah. Uh, it kind of reminded me of a, a Mitchell and Webb uh, sketch from, you know, the that Mitchell and Webb look uh, on the BBC where they're playing, you know, uh, you know, uh, German soldiers in World War Two. And uh, it sort of starts out in a normal scene. And then at one point, one of them turns to the other and says, wait a minute, are we the baddies? And, you know, that gradual realization and the other one going, no, no, of course not. This is what we're supposed to be doing. And the, the first one points out, well, we're, we're dressed all in black and we have skulls on our uniforms. That doesn't seem the sort of thing the good guys would do. So I really like the fact that, you know, Sarah is having this realization that, you know, they've been programmed with this, you know, protect timeline at all costs. But she's having the realization that, but wait a second, we're sending all these people to their deaths to protect the timeline. Why does that make sense? And, uh, you know, I, I did, I really liked the way Katie Watts played it, you know, that sort of gradual uh, dawning realization and, and also the realization that to a certain extent you have to play along with it because you can't let the people who are manipulating you, who she thinks is Ava, uh, know that, you know, uh, what's actually going on. So I thought it, it thought it was a really good sort of, you know, gradual realization and, and even sort of having the, um, you know, the uh, the Russian general who, you know, ordinarily, you know, Russian general is shorthand for, you know, the bad guy, the person, you know, trust making the very valid point that you guys are nuts. You know, you're not superheroes. You're 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 insane. So I think, you know, putting that in his mouth was a, a clever choice. And, you know, sort of playing that against uh, Sarah's dawning realization. I thought I found it worked really, really well, you know, very effectively. And again, as uh, as Millie said, it was very much a Sarah centric episode. But if you're going to have one character who is coming to that uh, gradual realization, you, you know, you kind of have to make it about them uh, in order that she has the time to 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 gradually get through that point. And I like the fact that they did that. She did bring Zari into it, you know, surprisingly early. Uh, from my point of view, um, uh, that, you know, and then, you know, you got to have, you know, another person that you could share that information with another person that you could bounce that, uh, that knowledge off of. So I thought it worked uh, surprisingly well, you know, that, that sense. And, and again, you know, in, even in the sense of when you talk about our, uh, legends, Sarah is the heart of that team. So it kind of made sense that even in this old version of the legends, she would, you know, be the one who would make that realization. She was not just the leader, but she is, you know, kind of the heart of the team, regardless of what version of the legends that you have. That's a really good point. Yes, she really is the heart of the team. And uh, she was trying to steer the team into a better direction. I mean, she was making really good points. Like, you know, what are these other legends doing? They're, they're helping people. And uh, that doesn't make any sense. And then the whole, uh, the timeline is like cement. You know, the general is like, what does that mean? And everyone was like, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> I'm like, clearly, y'all have no idea what the hell that means. I mean, it's an interesting phrase, uh, but it makes no damn sense. Um, but, yeah, uh, it's sort of their world crashing in around them. Even though the rest of the legends didn't really fully experience what Sarah did, you know, by a certain point, they were like, you know, they, they started to question, but they, but they kept on, you know, creating a sort of answer as to why 
things were things made sense to them in, in that sort of way. But Sarah was the one that kept on really poking and prodding and then trying to figure out exactly what was going down. And uh, at the end of it all, she tried to help, you know, that Russian scientist. She faked the death, but she she was caught. And when she tried to get Dr. Ava to tell everyone the truth, she does. And it is revealed that Gideon is behind it all. And uh, it looked like Sarah had a win. It looked like she was going to win. But then Zari came in and basically said, I was upgraded and we can all be upgraded. And, uh, you know, we have a mission, we have a directive, and everyone turns on Sarah, and Sarah gets, not upgraded, but demoted. To, she's no longer Captain Lance, although was she really the captain? Let's be real, because it seemed like Dr. Ava was controlling everything. I'm just saying. But she is demoted, in a big way, to assassin Sarah. Which, let's be real, is probably the scariest Sarah Lance ever. And we see her Merck, the Russian scientist, uh, gleefully, let's just say. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we had a moment. There was a moment when it looked like someone was going to realize that everything was wrong. And then everything reset by the end of the episode. Now, there was a little bit of dialogue that was like, oh, Gideon, you know, this was your test, Sarah, to see this, that, or the other. I don't know if I fully buy any of that, but the fact that Sarah was de- or reprogrammed to be Assassin Sarah, I feel like should be frightening to anybody. Millie Wood, what do you think of poor android Sarah? You know, her her hope for for some sense and then she gets the sense knocked out of her by getting uh, reprogrammed into assassin sarah yeah poor sarah on that but i uh i am i do enjoy assassin sarah so i think it'll be fun to see her um out and about um i do wonder if it's a bit of the thing where it's like at the end of the day like Sarah is smart. Like, that's just her personality, assassin or not. Um, I'm wondering if this is going to be kind of like, regardless of what version she is, she's going to find out and just kind of like try to reboot her and reboot her, but um, she'll catch on eventually. Um, I-, I wonder if that's kind of what, what's going to go on with that, or we just see, you know, assassin Sarah kind of go crazy and just very, um, like, her from the arrow kind of early seasons of that when she's like right out of the pit kind of Sarah. So it'll be interesting in what direction they go. No, not the bloodlust. Is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah, the bloodlust there. Oh, no, not the bloodlust. Professor, your thoughts on uh, Android Sarah being reprogrammed into uh, Android Assassin Sarah? Well, there's really no other way this this could have ended because Gideon is the one who's in charge of everything. So, you know, the fact that she was talking with and, and, you know, even though she was having those conversations with Zari, you know, every time they were talking, I was thinking to myself, you know, Gideon can hear everything you're saying. So Gideon knows exactly what's going on. 
uh, you know, it, it's canon that there's only one spot on the wave rider that Gideon can't see, and that's the uh, the toilet. So the fact that they weren't in the toilet means that, you know, Gideon knew everything that was happening all the way through the process. And so I think, you know, uh, I, I doubt that we're going to get any sort of, you know, um, uh, revisiting of this and, you know, the uh, the androids trying to uh, to break free or, or be better or anything like that, because, you know, if it ever does happen again, the same thing's going to happen. You know, Gideon is just going to find out what happened and reprogram them. So um, I think this was, you know, kind of a one off in that respect and, you know, kind of inevitable because Sarah didn't realize who the real baddie was. If, if you know, if maybe Sarah had realized that Gideon was, was you know, uh, pulling the strings and calling the shots, you know, maybe things would have turned out differently. But because they had, you know, Ava being the uh, the person that they thought was in charge, you know, their, their failure to conceive that it might be the ship that was actually, you know, controlling everything, uh, you know, that that ultimately doomed them, that, you know, there was no way that this was going to end any way other than it did. Very true. Yes. A couple of interesting things uh, that we saw in this episode. We got 100%, 1,000% confirmation that Bishop is dead. He's dead dead. He was eaten by uh, Android uh, Gary, which um, I don't really know how that works, but I'm not going to question it. Uh, Android Gary, stupid Gary, uh, cannot turn human. Uh, it looks like he's just his alien Gary form, which was interesting. The episode ends in a weird way, because I didn't understand it. Like, we get a sort of, you know, 80s, 90s, the more you know type of ad, but it's with steel, but it's Android steel. And I don't know if it was just sort of like to um, like as a bookend because we got a yeah, just very having some fun. Oh, okay, you thought it was them. Okay, because I was like, is it just a bookend to the the opening credits? Because I was like, is this canon? You know, do does the world know about Steel and like are the Android Legends all of a sudden, you know, out in the world like that? So, so Professor, you just think it was a gag? I think it was just a gag, uh, especially the fact that, you know, uh, they had, you know, Nate, you know, the, the kid hits him with the bat and the other one wants to get away from you, devil children. Uh, that, that felt to me like just, you know, legends having fun. I, I don't think that was meant to be any sort of indication that, you know, they're they're public or they're out or anything like that. OK, that's good to know. Yeah. Uh, OK, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Good, good, good. OK, they probably found that the, uh, the episode was running 30 seconds short. So they thought, what can we do here? Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And and as I just said, you know, it does sort of, it's a good bookend to the opening theme, because that was very 80s, 80s, early 90s, and uh, those, the more you know, especially when they started, were very 80s, early 90s. Okay, goody goody. So now it's time for the MVP, the most valuable player. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again, so choose wisely. Let's see. Professor, let's start off with you. Who's your MVP and why? Uh, I'm going to give it to Nate. I think all of the uh, the alt legends, you know, sort of 
they took the the acting choice that they're going to hit one note and stick to it consistently. But Nate really seemed to be enjoying his note. Um, you know, he he really he he sort of you know uh, I mean his the, uh, the the crazy arms uh, were were really good, and it also seemed like you know he changed the the structure of his jaw or something like that, so that you know, and I don't know whether it was prosthesis or whether it was just uh, him you know uh, changing the way he held it, but I think he he hit one note and held it really really well all the way through. Got some very funny lines. His his dejection when he found out, wait, we're all steel. That, that doesn't seem right. Um, it just it was very funny uh, all throughout. And as I say, he he struck one note and stuck with it. But he seemed to be having a tremendous amount of fun. I thought one hundred percent. The arms are ridiculous. His catchphrase spectacular. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. He was having a blast in a big way. Millie Wood, your MVP and why? I'll have to go with Sarah. I feel like, as we mentioned, she's the, it was her episode, and uh, Katie Loss did such a good job at, like, playing the robo, alt-Sarah, um, but then also just kind of seeing her uh, follow Hunch and just kind of interact. Uh, it's It was fun, and also I was really digging her hair, this robo hair for Sarah. I hope our normal Sarah takes it on, because it's really cute. I love that you called it robo hair. <laughs> It was beautiful. It was magical. I like it. I, 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 yeah, Robo here. Why not? And I am going to give uh, the MVP to Dr. Ava of uh, uh, Jess McAllen as a very cold, steel-like character, villainous, mysterious, secretive character, was fantastic. She played that character amazingly well. I, I really dug her. I was a little confused in the beginning because I was like, initially I was like, could this have been clone Ava that sort of has turned against Bishop? But no, she's she's just an android and she's there to, you know, do whatever Gideon wants. And uh, Jess McAllen did a fantastic job playing that just cool, evil sinister uh, Dr. Ava. Loved it. Loved it. So now it's time to rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10, I guess, evil wave riders? The point system is allowed, and if you found the episode exceptional, deserving more than a 10, you may grant it the coveted golden evil wave rider. Let's start off with uh, Millie Wood. I think I'll have to go with a solid nine evil wave riders. Um, it was just really fun kind of to see an alternate perspective and, and thinking of our, what we know as legends, evil. Um, very clever. And just the amount of effort spent on the opening, I think, like, credit title alone definitely deserves its own extra evil wave rider. All right. So we've got a solid nine from Millie Wood. Professor, what about you? Uh, I'm going to give it 10 Evil Wave Riders. I, I really, really enjoyed this episode. It's something, as I said, I've been looking forward to ever since I realized there were alt versions. And I love the fact that they gave us an entire episode. You know, they didn't cut away to the other ones. I think that would have been confusing. You know, they just let it play out like it was an ordinary episode of Legends, except that we had these evil alts playing it. And I think everyone, you know, did a fabulous job of uh, of, of establishing that one note for their character and sticking with it uh, very consistently. You know, it just, uh, I thought it was very fun. We've got a nine, we've got a ten, 
And I'm going for it, because I'm a sucker for something that's limited edition. I'm going to give it a Golden Evil Wave Rider. Uh, I thought it was a fantastic episode. Everybody committed to the bit in the best way possible, because everybody really went in on this. They, 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 as the professor said, they picked a character trait, and they stuck to it. And you could tell everybody was just having a blast, some a little more than others, playing a different iteration of themselves. And once again, I mean, we sort of have been discussing this throughout the entire episode, but Katie Lotz going from, you know, an android that is committed to the cause and seeing her start to question everything, the way that she played it was brilliant. This is a very rewatchable episode. I'm glad that we got this episode. It's been a moment since we've gotten an episode from the villains POV. And uh, if it was going to make any sort of sense in any season, this one makes the most sense. Uh, because, you know, we get to see our cast playing different narrations of their characters. So props to everyone. An evil, a golden evil wave rider from me. And on that note... Join us next time for a brand new installment of Time Masters. Here's our announcer, Gidget, to remind you on how you can interact with us. Thank you, Captain. Follow Papichilo Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Papichilo Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at papichiloradio.com. Are you interested in joining the Papichilo Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at papichiloradio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Papichilo Radio programs by visiting papichiloradio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for Time Masters and subscribe. Back to you, my captain. Thanks, Gidget. My co-host, please wish the listeners a good night, starting off with Millie Wood. Good night, listeners. If you want to follow along on Twitter, it's at the Asian Nude. And the Professor. Good night, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of Time Masters every Friday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chula Radio archives. Good night. <laughs>